You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Hello, honey. Welcome back to Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. It's Monday. It's time for our series right now on the Song of Ascents from Psalms. We're in Psalm 125 this week. Yeah, it's been really a joy to do these psalms because it reminds me of the journey that we are on even now on our way to the throne room of God. And it really prepares our hearts and minds to get to that place of thinking with every step what God has got planned for us and what we can do to prepare our minds to to really focus on God. Let me give you a left field question here. Okay. I thought about this a lot in the last few of these Psalms of Ascents we've done. Some of them by David, others are by other writers. We don't know who they were. But they are talking about going to a place. The Christian experience, knowing that Jesus Christ now lives within our hearts by his spirit, that's the theology we aspire to and the doctrine that we adhere to, Mm -hmm. that God actually inhabits the praises of his people and dwells the hearts of his disciples. We believe that. Mm -hmm. So... Where do we go if we're going to the mm-hmm. throne room of God? If he says, mm-hmm. come up to this place, or if we imagine it, it's got to be in some ways kind of metaphorical because we're not going to a temple anymore. It's a physical place on this planet. But something about the going has got to be part of this. So yeah. Where do you think, as you think about it during the day, where is that place? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a different answer for every person. In our minds and hearts, we can conjure up kind of a, an ideal place of worship for us. Some people think it's on Sunday when they go into their houses of worship and spend time singing songs to God and then listening to a pastor speak and then praying and, and the things that happen on Sunday morning. But for many of us believers, it is a daily practice that we worship, that we bring our hearts to a place of quiet with God and communion with God. These are steps toward that. I think all of us are on a journey, whether it is a journey to an actual physical place or a metaphorically place. I don't know how you would think of what a heaven would be for you if that's where you're thinking of going. But I think God wants us to worship him before that. He wants us to be on the way as a daily journey. And maybe that means you say all of these 15 psalms every day. I don't know. Maybe it means you go on a pilgrimage of some kind in your own life, just and, and you could determine what that is for yourself, to prepare yourself for a deeper communion with God. That's what these people are doing in yeah. the book of Psalms. That's what's happening here on these Psalms of Ascent, or as the Passion Translation puts it, the Songs of the Stairway. Mm-hmm. They're on an ascent to a place that is deeper communion with God. So the place that they would have gone physically back then had concrete reality, but Mm -hmm. it also represented something much deeper. Mm -hmm. It still does, I think. Yeah. And these songs of ascent speak very well to this period of time where Christ is alive in us. Mm Mm-hmm. If that place is going to be someplace physical, maybe we need to take our body to a place to let those bigger things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and those are good times of retreat for us, to spend some time away on retreat. And I don't just mean a women's retreat or a men's retreat where you go and do activities, but a place that you can go 
that is just you and the Lord, just a place to be quiet before him if it's just an afternoon or a couple of hours or whatever. But remove yourself, put yourself in another place. And these places are referred to as holy places. Yeah. yeah. Places set aside for the purposes of God and his spirit at work in us. Mm-hmm. So they had those physical places designated. It actually, was an established location, an mm-hmm. address. Yeah, you can actually look it up on Google Maps of the fifth <laughs> century BC and say, "This is where we're going." This is where the temple give us directions is. to it, mm-hmm. and let's sing the songs that bring us to this place. We know where we are along this journey. The other thing we talked about in the last couple of programs on this is these last stairs going up to the Temple Mount come up from the city of David. Mm-hmm. And you have now dipped into a new well where all you can see is what's immediately around you and you can't see the temple anymore. You've seen it from a distance. You've walked down through the valley. You're probably camped out with your family and your friends in large campgrounds, a giant KOA at the bottom of the hill. Right. And then during the day, you would make that ascent, go up to the temple and perform the obligations and the opportunities of worship that are presented by this particular festival, this mm-hmm. feast. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you'd walk back down the hill to have dinner together and talk about it and to worship farther in family groups. So it's like a tabernacle homecoming meeting. I mean, right. in modern day, or at least in the last century or so, we have memories, I think, of family get-togethers with the church. And many of us grew up in churches where we did that on a regular basis mm-hmm. on a summer brush arbor kind of evening. Or, or family some, camp, yeah. things like that, yeah. Or in the fall when they have like a festival and they'd have a bringing in the sheaves kind of theme where you would say, we bring ourselves together and our friends together to say, we worship the Lord and we want him to grow us and to build abundance among us mm-hmm. spiritually as well as physically. So we have plenty of traditions in our own culture that hearken to these kind of things. But this is the first generation of this. Mm -hmm. These are the people that were actually given these scriptures, these poems, these songs. And they lived it out in a place where we look back in history and say that temple really did in fact exist. And God had a special purpose for that temple while it stood. So they're working their way up these steps. There's a huge amount of expectation every single day in ascending these steps. Now imagine you're there for seven days for an entire week's worth of festivals, and every morning you get up and walk up that hill up these same steps and sing the same song going up those steps. Mm -hmm. You can imagine the cacophony of song echoed down the valley as group after group comes up a hill singing the same worship songs as they get there. Mm -hmm. And then the cresting of the hill and spilling into the temple grounds. must have been fabulous. Yeah. And not least because all the people are in agreement. They expect great things of God Mm -hmm. when they get there. Well, that's the thing about corporate worship, honey, that we are in agreement. We are in agreement that God is God. Not just that God is an awesome God, God is wonderful, God is Savior, God is Master, but He's just God. He's holy. (laughs) Well, think about Moses being introduced to Him and saying, what I tell people who sent me? Right, Uh, (laughs) I am. He says, I just am. Yeah. And that's pretty much the intent of that language. Not, Mm -hmm. I am the great I am. It was simply telling Moses, there is no other. Mm -hmm. I just am. Mm -hmm. And from that one thing, God gets to define who he is in the moment. And we let him show us the way. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go into Psalm 125 and let him show us the way on this step. I'm going to read from the voice translation. A song for those journeying to worship. All who have faith in the eternal stand as Mount Zion, unmoved, enduring, eternal. Just as the mountains around Jerusalem embrace her, the eternal too wraps around those who belong to him, for this moment and for every moment to come. 
for wickedness will not get the upper hand. It shall not rule the land where righteous people live, lest good people go bad and do what is wrong. Be good, eternal one, to those who are good, to those who are filled with integrity. The eternal will send all the wicked away, along with those who pervert what's good and twist it in their own crooked way. May peace be with Israel. These aren't imprecations so much as reassurances to those who aspire to faithfulness. Mm-hmm. The thing about Psalms always reminds me is not about condemning us or convincing us of how wicked we are, but of establishing God's precedence, mm-hmm. his overarching authority to deal with people and all of time and history the way he wants to. He's got the right to do it any way he wants to do it. And the Psalms do a really good job of establishing that every time. He's the one. Mm-hmm. He's the man on the hill. He's the one we're going to see. It's his rules, his hospitality, yeah. his way of being. And we're going to be part of it. He grants it to us. I think there's comfort in that, but there's also a big challenge. Are we willing to lay down our expectations as we walk up this hill to go into his house and live by his house rules? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of different behaviors that happened during those festival days at the Temple Mount than what you would have had in normal life back in your village. But it informed all of their lives. And hopefully if they participated in these events on a regular basis, they would have been transformed in some way to bring back those principles and that way of living, that way of experiencing God into their daily lives back home. Mm -hmm. That would be, I think, the grand hope of what happens on the Hill. So what kind of transformation are we expecting here? In this particular psalm, there's one expectation that I have not heard in the previous psalm of ascent. That is, there's great hope that coming here, the transformation of our hearts, will keep us from being sucked into an envy of those who are wicked. Mm -hmm. It will keep us from desiring or being tempted to go a different way in order to get great gain. And I think that is a temptation that is always lurking on the edges there for every generation. I see it in our generation even today. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. So, what kind of transformation are we expecting here? In this particular psalm, there's one expectation that I have not heard in the previous psalm of ascent. That is, there's great hope that coming here, the transformation of our hearts, will keep us from being sucked into an envy of those who are wicked. Mm -hmm. It will keep us from desiring or being tempted to go a different way in order to get great gain. And I think that is a temptation that is always lurking on the edges there for every generation. I see it in our generation even today. The temptation towards any kind of power or 
being able to see things go our way politically, economically, socially, being the ones in control Mm -hmm. is always a temptation, I think, for for mankind, for our nature. Yeah, Something about going to the temple of God and being with him there is like a vaccination against this kind Mm -hmm. of envy. It seems like it. Well, honey, when you see the greatness of God, when you are confronted with the holiness of God, so much us is stripped away. So much of the external, of the even the internal, the things that we have gathered along the way, the things that we think are important or have been convinced that are important, the ways that we ourselves have perverted truth perverted what's good and twisted it to our own crooked way, as it says in verse 5, those are shed pretty quickly when you encounter the holiness of God, moving, as it were, metaphorically, spiritually, physically, whatever that looks like for you, moving toward the holiness of God, we begin to see what all of that looks like in the light of truth. Mm. As we really endeavor to see the truth of God and and let ourselves be surprised by the truth of God even and allow the Holy Spirit to strip away those pursuits of power, mm-hmm. those pursuits of rightness even, we begin to see that God is the only unshakable, unmovable, um, enduring, eternal. And when verse 1 says, when we put our trust in Him, those who trust in Him are as unshakable, unmoved, and enduring as Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the the very center of where God is in Scripture. And when we put our trust in Him, those other pursuits are stripped away. I think those are the things of wickedness that are kind of rinsed off of us or washed off <laughs> yeah. or peeled off of us. Chiseled like, off. Yeah, I, mean, I think about the scene in Voyage of the Dawn Treader from mm, C.S. Yeah. Lewis when Aslan begins to strip away the scales of the dragon who was Eustace, and Eustace has become a dragon. It's his selfishness, it's his own ideas of power, his greed and his piety. He's become this dragon, and as he sees Aslan, he sees the holiness or the, the truth and the pureness of that Aslan begins to strip away, to scratch away with his the, claws, those yeah. scales. Yeah. So it is, yeah, it's a painful process, but it brings out the holiness that God's intent, God intends for us to live in. And in that story, it brings out the boy who was always there and mm-hmm. wanted to be free again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a marvelous metaphor right there. And the, the stripping away of things that are not holy, mm-hmm. that are not of God, that were not intended to cover us. His holiness was intended to cover us. Mm-hmm. His presence, his very being, he intended for us to experience that from the inside out, from the outside in, at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants for us up here on this hill. That very first verse in another translation reads, Those who put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but stands fast forever. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of things here. One, Mount Zion obviously is a physical place where he identifies the whole area around Jerusalem that Temple Mount sits in the center of God's righteous reign on earth. It's also a deep metaphor for things that outlast even the history of the universe. It's something that is immutable. It is about the character and nature of God himself, that he is that rock, that we go to him. And he says the people who put their trust in the Lord are like that. Mm-hmm. He's saying that if you want to be like me, come to the rock and put your trust in it. 
And we use those kind of phrases, even talking about Jesus in modern day, mm-hmm. that he's the, the rock of ages. And we talk about all the different metaphors that are used to name him. And we say, go to him. Let him adopt you. Let him bring you into the throne room of God himself mm-hmm. and make a way for us. And he's still doing that day by day. Yeah. We are being called up to something that's not just about how great he is, but how he intends to make us like him. That's a marvelous gift, of course. Mm-hmm. I love verse 2 where it says, Just as the mountains around Jerusalem embrace her, embrace mm-hmm. the city of Jerusalem, the eternal, too, wraps around those who belong to him. Mm-hmm. He is engulfing us in this yeah. big hug. Of the all God, in one and one in all. Yeah. Again, it is a kind of a metaphor of indwelling here. Mm-hmm. He, God shows up. He's going to be present. We can't not feel it. Like if you've ever been to a, a sporting event or a concert or something that people look forward to for a long time and your heroes are on the field or your favorite musicians are on the stage and you remember being there for that concert and it was a very special event, yeah. you were not just observing it from the outside, you were part of it. Mm-hmm. And the concert, the energy, the excitement of that event, you are partly responsible for the effects of that because you were there participating. Yeah. So this calling up these steps to go to the temple of God every day in community and in the intimacy of one-on-one, mm-hmm. it would not have any value to us had we not actually been part of it. We might observe that someone else says, I was at the house of the Lord and God did amazing things. Well, that's great for you. There's something that is far more meaningful and trustworthy in our hearts when we have been there ourselves and say, yes, I know what you're talking about. I was there Mm. That's the thing about these psalms. They call us to participate. Mm. They draw us in. They bring us up further in and further up. We've said that a number of times. They draw us to a place of community and communion. And so we're compelled by these psalms to go deeper into worship and to understand the character of God a little more with every step, with every psalm that we sing. Even in this psalm, there's a plea of for there's a plea for God to be good to those who are good. With each psalm, we see a different aspect that we're asking God to do this for us. We're reminding God that His favor is on us, that He's He's shown us His His great love. It's just a way of going into a time of worship that is a conversation with yeah. God. We're acknowledging that God has said these things to us. He's calling us to this place. He's showing us these beautiful things. But God, remember this. Remember you said this. And God, be good to us because we want to be good. We want to be your servants. And and God, do these things for us. And God did this for us. It's just this call back, back and forth conversation. It is like a choir singing to the soloist. Yeah. Um, There's something special about this particular verse to me, but do good, O Lord, to those who are good. We have to recognize that this particular phrase was written thousands of years before any Reformed theology showed up. Yeah, yeah. And so I know that, especially in Western and American traditions, the idea of no man is good, we're all evil, but for God, mm-hmm. and that gets pounded into us early on. That is truth, because all good comes from God. We all acknowledge that. No matter what Christian tradition you come from, we acknowledge that all that is good originates from God. Mm-hmm. But there's a very strong point in our language about saying, no man is good, period. Right. And then God interrupts that and fixes it. 
it's kind of limiting in some ways to allow God just to be present and be loving with us. Mm-hmm. This scripture, I do not believe, is stating that we are good in and of ourselves, and therefore we deserve to have God be good to us, and he owes us. There's nothing like that in this verse. Mm-hmm. So if we're leaning on this, we don't need to worry too much about the Reformed condemnation of self-righteousness. In fact, it's anything but self-righteous. I think it's just saying, you are so good, be good to those you are always good to because they're growing in goodness because of you. Mm-hmm. That's what I see in the scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's not, again, that we are good outside of what God's doing, but because God does good, we can't help but become more like him. Yeah. yeah. And those who are turned away, it says, Lord will assign to the ranks of the evildoers those who turn their hearts to wickedness, who intentionally run away to this. Now, there is the law of talion, which comes from the old retribution cycle, the idea of retaliation. Mm -hmm. That is, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Might be a little bit what this last verse is hinting at. You know, just let them get what's coming to them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, even those notions, those feelings emotionally, over all those thousands of years, even Jewish law changed over time to say, you know what? It's not so much about just getting a literal pound of flesh out of somebody. What's the value of an eye? What's the value of a tooth? Let's restore to the person who was offended or was harmed what they've lost. Mm. Let's give to them something that restores. And so the whole course of history has been going from retribution towards restoration. And Jesus picks that up big time in his life and transforms this whole talion to something about life and logos and forgiveness Mm. that does far more for us than any retribution or retaliation could ever restore or provide for us or any relief it could possibly give us. At the most, retaliation gives us a momentary, ha, gotcha, you deserve Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. and then we're empty again. Which is human nature, yeah. So I do believe that even this statement here, give those who deserve what they deserve what they deserve, turn their hearts to wickedness, well, take care of business there, but may your peace be granted to Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. I do believe that the psalmist here is saying, Israel is not pursuing that. The Israel I'm talking about is what is going after you Mm -hmm. and wanting to be in you and of you and by you and for you. Mm -hmm. God, pour out your peace on that. Yes. Amen and amen. Well, that's, friends, what we have for Psalm 125. It's just, again, another example of how sitting down together and just exploring the word together And honestly, expressing what God brings to your heart while you're reading it can be of great benefit to those around you. And I know every time Sandy and I sit down to do these studies together, I'm surprised about what kind of things that God (laughs) brings to heart and mind between each of us. It's Mm -hmm. always better than just us reading it alone. So that's why we encourage you to make use of the study guides we make available to you online. Sit down with somebody that you love and wants to spend time with and explore the Word together. I can't think of a better reward for us than that you would pick up that challenge and say, yes, I can do that too. Mm. Thanks for joining us today on Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word.
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.